0: The UFO phenomenon has multiple dimensions, many, if not most, we cannot even begin to fully comprehend. Grant Cameron, a seasoned UFO investigator and frequent guest on Higher Journeys, has found yet another angle to this ever-growing anomaly that he has linked directly to a thesis he's been developing for some time. Apports the appearance or movement of objects seemingly out of nowhere and by no known source connected to extreme instances of synchronicity, Grant feels are directly linked to the ET contact syndrome. I asked Grant to share with us some of his more recent findings in this regard and how, if at all, this reshapes his ideas of some of what seen UFOs are really all about. Grant, thanks so much for joining me last minute uh, for this uh, what I'm going to call impromptu 30 minute or so conversation. But man, you got so much going on. I've been watching your Twitter feed and I've been uh, checking out your Facebook page. And I know that you are doing some amazing work uh, on the experiential or experiencer side of this broad field we call the ETN UFO phenomenon, as well as You have a foot in the other world, too, don't you, on what I refer to as the more mechanistic, lots going on there. We're going to leave that part of the conversation for another time. Today, I want to talk about two areas that you've been diving into on the experiential side, first having to do with what are called apports. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like to have you give us uh, a bit of an update on some interesting things that have been taking place at Mount Shasta. So those are the two areas that we're going to tackle. But before we go there, let me just welcome you once again, one of our regular guests who I love to higher journeys. Welcome back, Grant.
1: Well, thanks, Alexis. I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate your bringing up a ports, which yeah. could be uh, the most important subject there is to talk about.
0: Why? Why is it the most important in this the Huge more area. I
1: look at it, and like everything else in my career, I got dragged into this. I didn't. <laughs> um, I didn't uh, decide to do this. It was just a bunch of synchronicities happened, and it was like one thing after another thing after another thing, and it was basically saying you got to look at this. And so basically, it starts with Ray Hernandez, a conversation at LAX airport, and he's talking about this guy that he has. It's his top experiencer that he has, and he starts talking about this guy, and he's got this entire collection of. Uh, I guess you'd call them manifestations and a port. So uh, manifestation is something that pops in from um, someplace. We've never really seen it before. We don't know where it comes from. And uh, things that are reported are things in your house that are moved around or you find coins and stuff like mm-hmm. this. So it's, it's movement of things. So he talked about it, and I sort of thought, well, this is very weird. Um, and it basically went into, <clears throat> as you know, the um, – to the stars is very uh, well, I guess everybody in the UFO community is infatuated with this metal stuff. So they're saying, you know, we got these pieces of metal and, you know, if we can analyze these things and they're very strange and they're 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 layered and we can't layer the stuff and it's done atom by atom and stuff like this. And everybody's just gaga over this metal stuff. And when he was telling me this story, I'm thinking, I wonder if that's what the metals are. Because, you see, what everybody's believing, and we have very smart people, and yet they're making very illogical uh, sort of conclusions. They're saying, you know, this this flying saucer comes across the galaxy, it makes it all the way across the galaxy, and then it gets into our atmosphere and little pieces start to fall off it. And and I say, no, there's no pieces falling off flying saucers. They're dropping this stuff. This is like apportation stuff. And I actually contacted Hal Puthoff, who Mm -hmm. runs the Institute for Advanced Studies, who um, was the guy with Kit Green from the CIA, uh-huh. who were running the remote viewing program in the 1970s, early 1970s. And I knew that he had this stuff going on in his lab. It suddenly occurred to me that I said, he must know. He's the guy that's doing the analysis on this material. And what happened was, if you remember back into the early days when Yuri Geller came to America, uh-huh. they had Yuri Geller at SRI in San Francisco. And basically, they went out for lunch, um, hell put off and... Um, um edgar mitchell tell the story Uh they go they go there and your girl is eating ice cream and suddenly he's got he he bites down and he cuts his lip and he pulls out this pin and and he he gives it to edgar mitchell and edgar mitchell said that's a pin of mine i think it was an air force pin that he had lost in houston a number of years before and he said how did this get in your ice cream and so they they he takes the pin they go back to sri and I think it's later the same day. They're in the lab. Yuri Geller's in another room, and the back half of that pin suddenly goes tink in behind them, and it falls in behind them. And then they have a second uh, pin that falls uh, in that same period of time when Yuri Geller's around. So I, that's when I said the hell put off. I said, "Hell, you had this stuff happening around you in the 1970s. So is this metal pieces of flying saucers, or is this something that they're, they're dropping to get our attention?" to whatever they're doing, some sort of message. And and then all he said to me is he, he didn't deny it. He said, we'll analyze the material one step at a time. We're going to analyze the material first, one step at a time. So he knows this connection. And that's what I'm saying, that, 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 that if you go back into UFO history, you can see that the very first major sighting, was uh, it was an apport, uh, it was a manifestation or an apartation case, and that was Maury Island. If you remember, this is three days before Kenneth Arnold had his sighting. They're they're on Maury Island, and these two guys are there, and they're 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 in a boat. And this UFO comes flying flying by and there's three of them and the one gets in trouble and it sort of like explodes and, and rains down all this material all over the the beach. There's a dog that's killed by this material falling. Somebody breaks their arm and hits somebody in the arm or whatever. And they gather some of this material. The U.S. Air Force goes in there, grabs this material, flies out, crashes the plane, which starts the first conspiracy story. So right from the word go, you see this stuff and you see these. It happened in, in Brazil as well. There's this famous... Uh, uh, stuff with magnesium where there's UFOs flying along the shore and all of a sudden it's in, in trouble and it explodes into a thousand pieces and rains down over these people. And I'm going like, are, are they really crashing or is this all intentional? Is this all like a for? And what you start to see when you start looking at these apportation uh, things is they happen around experiences a lot. For example, when I uh, we were talking earlier about this Tony Bintz, he comes to America. He wants to see me. And he starts telling this v- bizarre story about how he, uh, his wife won't, doesn't want him to come. He's never left the country. He's He's got very, very serious uh, diseases. Um, he's, he, and so he says, I need a sign. And these these feathers start to fall one, one after another, one day after another day. And they fall right in front of him. And so then he goes to his wife and he says, I've got a sign. They They want me to go to America. I'm supposed to meet with Grant. And his wife says, there's feathers everywhere. And then he said, uh, so he goes out into the into the backyard and he says, okay guys, if you really want me to go, you got to help me out here. And he says this big giant feather about two feet long comes from the left to the over his head, sits above his head. And he goes, thank you. Thank you. And this thing he goes like a rocket just takes off into the sky. Then he goes and tells his wife and she says, Tony, there's feathers everywhere. And so she's still not bought into this thing. And yet she knows he's taken a bunch of really weird photographs. That's why he originally wanted to see me. He had like, I guess, maybe 50 photographs. And some of the photographs he's, he's got are like none you've ever seen before. Just yeah. almost like they're setting themselves up. Helicopters with UFOs in the photograph. Helicopters 50 feet over his head. Just very bizarre stuff. So his wife knew that there was some bizarre stuff going on. So that's when she says, she's, she figures, well, I'll give it a try. So she's going to work. She works in London. They, they're about 60 minutes out of London. And so she's going on the train. So she says, "Okay, if this is for real, I want to see a feather." And this <laughs> feather falls in front of her. And now she's like, she's sort of having her experience. She gets on the train, and she's sort of, sort of bewildered what's going on. She says, "Okay, there's never, there's never any feathers on the London Bridge." So she said, "Okay, I want to see a feather on the London Bridge." So she's gone on the London Bridge. She's just coming off the London Bridge, and suddenly down comes this feather right in front of her. Right after she
0: asks for it, not even. Yeah, she asked
1: for the second one too. So then she's, she's, she goes to, she finishes work, and then she says, okay, I want to see not one feather. I want to see lots of feathers. <laughs> she gets on the train. She goes back to where they live, south of London. She gets off the train. As the door opens, there's a bush there with hundreds of feathers in the bush. That's now that's she's just flipping out. She just has no idea what there's going on. She goes home. She says to Tony, Tony, you can go to America. <laughs> he, I guess says, she well, She said, when the kids go to bed tonight, I'll tell you. So she tells him the story. The next day, I think she's working from home. She works two days from home. She um, um, is sitting at her, her desk, which is about five feet from this patio door that goes into the, the garden where he has a lot of these sightings. So the patio door is open about 12 inches. So she says, okay, I want to see another feather. So she's sitting there. And all of a sudden, the, this feather falls down between the patio doors, comes in the patio door, and lands at her feet. So that's how this whole thing starts. And but it, what happened was he wanted to show me his his UFO photographs. And I said, well, I'm really not interested in UFO photographs. Uh, so I but I interviewed him. I said, Tony, you ever have anything weird? Do you ever have anything sort of uh, move around in the house? And he would say. Yeah, and he told me the story about the keys flying through the the room that his wife had seen and uh bizarre things with the kids that had happened and doors slamming and stuff like that and I said yeah that's kind of what I'm looking for and then he told me the feather story so when he gets to Laughlin and I won't get into the details but there are another half a dozen maybe more than half a dozen feather stories that happen at Mm Laughlin the the last one was we go to Tucson Desta and I after all these other feather things that happen at Laughlin like Paula harris coming down with a big giant feather shirt on <laughs> oh, you're kidding me to, are you kidding you saw and that's when i have my own experience and that's when you get sold like you're not sold when you hear other people but when it happens to you that's absolutely a for start. confirmation and i find these these feather cards in, at a church there's this old church there desta wants to go into the, the gift store and i'm i, I see these feathers so I, well, wow i'm gonna this is pretty weird these white feather cards giant a greeting card so I'm photographing the first one and then I'm photographing the second one and I put the card down and I'm look and there's Desta standing there with a feather and I said get out of here She mm. said yeah i was standing outside waiting for you and this feather falls at my feet so where I tied into the UFO thing is I say do they really need to give us feathers or is this what this is all about? Because the more I look at the UFO phenomena, the more I think it is not physical. It is not. It's, there's something weird going on here. Absolutely. This, this goes later to, to, to Shasta. But um, what I start to think is, are the UFOs themselves actually a port? And you even get to the thing with the crashes. If they can make, and there's there's various stories, There's some. it happens in, uh, various um, different types of phenomena, like with Ouija boards. There's a famous story told where the the one girl. It's ha- happens in 1989 in Great Britain, where they the girl puts a um, some crystal and something else on the Ouija board to make it work even better. They're they're dealing with this um, girl who claims to be a 12 year old girl from Great Britain from about 1910. She's on the other side of the board, and they're talking to her, and so then the the, the board makes this message. What's this for? And the girl said, well, I put this crystal and and some other item on the board to, um, to maybe make the board work better. And then they said, would you like me to, and the board says, would you like me to combine them for you? And the girl says, yeah, that'd be nice. Huh. And then they said, would you like some gold and silver in it? And the girl goes. Yeah, that'd be nice. And they do this lapis lazuli stone.
0: Absolutely, I'm familiar with it. Yeah.
1: You're familiar the story where it falls under the table and has the gold and silver streaks
0: in it. Well, I'm familiar just, with the stone, lapis, of course. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and, and it's just, it just has this gold and silver streak in it. And this appears underneath these these apports would fall, or these would be like manifestations. But they fall under the the the, the, the board would go the the, the glass. They have had a, you're using a shot glass, and you could hear it sh- sh- going around the board. Yeah. That means an aport is about to appear. And this thing would appear under the table. And they had photographs appear. They had a photograph that appeared from it looked like from about 1910 and, and they said top right. And this is the girl, this Addie girl. It's a very, very bizarre story. So you see these poor things. So then you start wondering, is a UFO actually a UFO or is it something that's come across the veil? Because with these uh, manifestations, we know from a lot of the work that's been done. Is they can make something appear and it, it may be a small thing like a like a polished stone or something like that or but they can make it r- disappear again. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that what's happening is is everything on the other side of the veil, so to speak, or in higher right. vibrant consciousness right. and they can come like like a, like a being. And I always say this with beings that a lot of people will describe a being that comes and then turns into a ball of light and disappears. Or it's a ball of light which turns into an alien. And I always say, is it a ball of light or is it an alien? And if it's, you know, if it's it's a ball of light, does it eat bacon, eggs, toast, and coffee? So we get confused with this physical thing that it's coming in. It can become physical, but it can go back into that, whatever that world Mm. is, non-physical. Right. And we sort of assume that it's just a physical thing. So that's where I'm starting to think with the apports. And that's what they're doing with the metal. They're dropping this metal. And in fact, if you've read the book by um, Diane Pasolka, uh, she talks about this um, guy by the name of Tyler. She calls him Tyler D. His name is actually Tim. I know. I've I've met this guy, and um, he they call it the gifting field. He they found this field where they believe there was a crash, and they call it the gifting field. And that's the whole idea is. Um, the more I look at the UFO phenomenon, the more I think that it's it's way less physical than you think it is. Absolutely. It's a lot more spiritual than yeah. you think it is.
0: Well, let, let, and, um, let, hold on. Hold yeah. on a second now. <laughs> there's yeah. so much in there because I'm taking some notes here because there's so many elements. You're really onto to something really big, and I tend to agree with you. I mean, look, what you're talking about from the story of Tony and his wife to the manifestation of these, these what we call apports or objects, uh... make me think of several things that you are very well familiar with and that has to do well first of all fundamentally it has to do with consciousness because we're not just talking about a one-way communication here. We're talking about, obviously, something that is conscious on the other end, whatever that is, as well as our own consciousness being intertwined with one another, feathers showing up upon request, not arbitrarily, but upon request. So there's some link that's going on between us, and I've always said this, and who, who or whatever we're communicating with. The other thing that comes into this that is clear and unequivocal, Grant, is this idea of the contact modalities all being connected we're talking about telekinesis we're talking about uh, ma- just manifestation we're talking about esp broadly so the contact modalities and how they're all linked are coming in here and then lastly before you you continue i want to bring up in terms of the apports and manifestations coming out of seemingly nowhere which they're not mm-hmm. uh Michael Talbot comes to mind. And I know, you know, the late Michael Talbot, I know you're familiar with his work. And I'm sure that you're familiar with the fact, as quiet it was as it was kept until his passing, that he too was a contactee, an abductee, an experiencer who worked with Bud Hopkins in regression. Michael Talbot is famous for telling stories about multiple occasions of being in his bedroom, and having what he called dry spaghetti noodles just fall out of the air and onto his chest, and mm-hmm. other objects that would materialize. Keep in mind, we're talking about apports, and we're talking about an experiencer. Yet another link. So I wanted to just draw those things out for you, because again, I think you're onto something here, and we're talking about something that's that's not extraterrestrial dimen- extra as we think, but perhaps uh, well, certainly multidimensional and extra-dimensional.
1: Yeah. It's got to do with reality. Like how does reality actually work? It's like the whole idea of the idea that there may not even be a physical world that right. whatever you see out there is going through your consciousness. It's happening inside consciousness. It's not you're looking out into the world. And that's a that's a hard thing to grasp because it looks like it's so physical. And so I, that's where I think it may come down to understanding what reality is all about. And, and so when you get experiences like Michael Talbot, who's talking about that, and the gravel on the roof, and the sort the the emerald that appears in the Buddha's head that his that his wife, you know, or is showing his mother Did that was that there before, and you know all this kind of stuff. A lot of people will confuse it. They they parse it as you point out. And they don't realize it's all the same thing. So that's when you can ask experiences. And you'll find this very unique is you'll say to them, like I said to Tony, Tony, you ever have anything fly around the room and everything ever fall out of the sky? And they go, oh, yeah. But then they'll say, but that's not gonna. They, no, that's not UFO. They all think it's it's something different. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and we're starting to realize when you talk to experiences, most experiences have this kind of stuff. And, and you get like uh, if you're familiar with the um, the paranormal rangers. They yes. do uh, investigations and they had they did a lecture, um, which I think is over a million hits on the internet. They do a lecture where they talk about being in this sort of a, a poltergeist environment in a it's a building that they were tol- told to call in there and they were there for the weekend. They had 64 coins appear all heads up. And I have I have more than six people who have dimes and they start telling me these stories about dimes. And I'll say, how many dimes have you got? And they'll say, oh, 40. And they think it's their dead mother giving them two of them or stuff like that. And people finding dimes in the middle of the bathtub, like not places you would expect or coins in the middle of the floor, always heads up and stuff like that. And you start to realize that there's this connection, almost like a a signaling type thing. And it goes even to um, when I was at um, Mount Shasta two weekends ago. Yeah, tell us about Uh, that. The, at first, it appeared nothing was happening because that's usually the pattern. Nothing really happens to me. But the people who are around me, a lot of stuff happens. It's almost like I'm this scribe. I'm the person who's supposed to. And so what happened was the Friday we were there and I didn't realize anything had happened. Saturday morning, um, they do these exercises and I'm all upset because they're doing these um, sort of, um, you know, heavy duty exercises, which I'm not used to. And I'm thinking, man, did I make a mistake coming to this place? <laughs> and and then they started telling the stories. And then they started telling these stories. And it, it was one of the most active I- events. And uh, I got to record it. Nobody wanted to record it. So I'll record this. So I did interviews with all these people, maybe 12 hours of interviews and um, anybody who had any sort of experience. And what I found with the experiences was this um, sort of idea how hard it is to make something appear. You think, you know, it's an alien. He just comes through the portal and then suddenly you have this physical alien. And what I saw with these people, and there was um, possibly 2 Zendra Zendro-type events. There was at least three actual contacts with non-human intelligence and these people they what they do there if you're familiar how they do it is they're using vibration the rama protocol is you use vibration you raise the vibration raise the vibration and then you're able to sort of they their ideas you lift your vibration they come down you meet in the middle in a zendra which is like an interdimensional bubble or in some sort of thing but when i was talking to these people about their experiences there was no real solid physical alien it would be they would see it in their in their mind's eye Uh they would have a vision it was sort of out there but it it wasn't you know one one one-on-one physical and the one guy described it very clearly where he said they knew there was three of them in this spot they were in the dark and they said there's something here there's something here and they all they all sense this like they're sensitive and they're picking this up and then the the one sees it and it's appearing and it's appearing like two silhouettes that start to appear and then they sort of collapse and go back down into this rolling smoke that is is going in front of them and then it, it tries to reappear into these two ob- these two beings and then it collapses back down again and it's that idea is that it's not that easy to come across the veil that sometimes you're you're getting it you're not getting it and these people are going through an awful lot of work and then the other thing that really impressed me i always thought because they if you're familiar with the rama thing they do a ceremony where they, they do this what's called the, the cesium crystal initiation where they give you these crystals and the aliens are supposed to put these crystals in your hands and then you put the hand the, your hands over your heart and it, it's this initiation that makes you very intuitive and, and sensitive and stuff like that. And so we were supposed to do that. I'd never done it. And I want I'd heard all these stories about people's stories about what happens in these initiations. So I'm excited. And so what happens is that they get a message. So what they're doing is they're following the intuitive person. They're saying, has anybody got a message, anybody? And the one guy's name was Mario. And this guy's getting this message. There's a, there's a triangle. There's a tree that's fallen over against another tree. It's up on the, it's up on the mountain. So they break up the group at 1030. they Following this guy, he's like the the antenna. He's getting the message. They've got to follow him. And Mario, where are we going to go? Mario leads them up the hill, and they go up. And he's running in the dark through the. And they're trying to keep up to him and stuff. Meanwhile, we're back at this at this uh, at the circle, and we're waiting for this crystal ceremony to to set up. So the, it's very high. They know exactly what's going to happen. There's this area outside the circle that's got very high energy in there. And these and so Enrique Villanueva, who's the the sort of the contactee goes up the mountain with Mario and eight other people. And they so the the group breaks up. So what happens is, and it's the whole idea of whether it's politics or whether it's uh, whatever, um, when you start to break up and people are all going in separate directions and everybody has different ideas, then you get everything fragmented. Everything starts to fall apart. It's exactly what happened here. They broke the group up. of them leave the group and they're going up to the mountain so all the all the mantras stop all the oming stops all the meditation stops the group is sitting there we're all sitting there waiting for the ceremony people are moving around people are going to their tents people are getting in cars and the 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 energy of that circle died right out and the girls come back that were going to run it and they said the energy's gone
0: how could they tell the energy was gone
1: well, they're sensitive, so they're they're picking it up. They were in the circle, and they knew exactly where the circle was. They've been brought to the circle. Can you feel the energy? Yeah, this is where we're going to do it, and it's a certain spot that they can all sense. But then they said it's going down, so they said, "Okay, we've got to do uh, we got to do some mantras. We've got to try to raise it up. We could not raise it up again because what you'd done is you'd fractured the whole thing. You've gone from from separ- from uni- from unity from oneness into separation." and all the energy just died out in that circle. And they, and they did not do the crystal ceremony because the the energy in that field had died out. And it happens every time they do this crystal ceremony. And that's what was, was more important to me. It was that fact it's not the aliens that are coming in and making the circle it's you are raising the vibration of of that energy thing and that once the, it all breaks up and everybody goes in their separate ways and people stop thinking and people stop doing the, the mantra the sure dies out.
0: okay so let me ask and, you a question how would this all the the incident at mount shasta how would that connect to um uh, any likelihood of a presence of of, of craft what were there any
1: Uh, Well, there was a, yeah, there was, there was objects being seen. And again, that comes across like, what is an actual object? Because I go back to I do a a lecture called the theory of wow. And I say, you know, when a UFO comes, and it's got its lights on, like when it goes into a nuclear missile uh, area and sits and hovers above the nuclear missiles, why would it turn its lights on? We don't have lights on our crafts, on our planes. Why does it have lights on it? Has lights on it because it wants you to see it. It's mm-hmm. this messaging thing, and it's like they're coming across the veil. So, even I even get I even go as far now as to think that possibly if they can make like a, a lapis stone appear with gold and silver streaks in it, uh, can they make a craft? So, the idea that you always heard this idea that Roswell and these crashes were purposeful, that they actually crashed on purpose, and that we cannot control any of this. We have, and I'm firmly convinced of this, we have no control, we have bodies. We have crafts, but we cannot turn it on. We have no idea of what to do with this kind of material. And you hear these high-level people talking about this, that we – you hear that we're going to the stars. No, I believe we have nothing. We This thing is so far – it's almost like your cell phone. Where my cell phone, you need my fingerprint to make it turn on. You need consciousness to turn on the craft. Well, sure, of course. But – and, yeah. so, and and so we, we, we got this idea that 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 it's a physical thing and all you do is pull the engine out of it, and then you when I talk to these fifty people that I've got that have flown the craft, they'll all say, No, you become one with the craft, there is no engine, mm. there's no steering wheel, you're one with the craft, you're flying the craft, and it's this mental thing, and and it moves it away from this physical world. That's where the more I look at it, the more I say this thing is not going to be physical. It's like even oh, a physical I agree. world that if you have a, a near-death yeah. experience or a, a lucid dream or something, those people come back and they say, that's the real world. We're living in the dream. That was more real than the sure. real world. Absolutely. And, and so it comes. that's why I say the apport thing, it's almost like they're giving us signals, especially with this metal stuff because there's a lot of it. There's 40 different, and it's all little pieces. So why, why are these little pieces falling, or are they dropping it? Are they purposely dropping it to make you go, wow, what is this? And you're, it makes you think. The same as the lights. What is that thing flying around in the sky? Or even the symbols. like uh, You you know that I know that, that people have triangles. Now, they don't have to leave triangles on people's bodies. They yes. leave triangles there for symbols. It's you so know real. I know
0: that. You know I yeah, know this that, is, right? This, <laughs> is not a,
1: this is not a, your dream. This is for real. And, <laughs> yeah. and the more I look at it, the more I think it's all Signaling—it's almost—and it's—it's uh, spiritual beings, it's uh, guides, it's uh, aliens, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like it changes based upon our belief system, almost like uh, uh, John Mack. Right. Says In that one lecture, he says, you know, bud." he says, it's kind of weird. I'm the psychiatrist here. You think I'd be the one that would get in all the crazy people? And he said, I'm (laughs) getting all the spiritual ones and you're getting all the bad ones. And He said, maybe that has more to do with you and I than it does with the aliens. I agree. It's this idea that we are part of what is happening around us. We are manifesting.
0: Right. And that's why I have said that there has to be some sort of a symbiosis that's going on between us and them. Now, I know what you're saying, Greg, in that uh, it, it we can't do anything about it. It's all them, it's all them. But, you know, I don't know if there is, it seems to me that whatever they're doing, they're taking something from us in order to complete, whether it's an apport or a contact experience, I always say, I know I sound like a broken record, I think we have some skin in the game. We are maybe giving them some of the fuel for them to make that communication with us. So I tend to think that it could be a little bit more back and forth, I don't know. But that being said, perhaps what you're saying, I don't wanna put words in your mouth, is that it's clearly their understanding of how to, the, the malleability of reality and how to leverage that to be able to do these things, they are far more advanced than we are and yet i feel they need us as well to complete the mission what do you think about that
1: yeah but it still goes back to the oneness thing that, that we are them and we are they well, are yeah. us and, yes. and that there is there is only one mind and it's all like a game it's almost like if you hear these people at the just listen to one about a near death experience thing where um, the, the girl's talking about, uh, you know, the, the beings and the, that she's or the guides and they're playing around, she's dead and they're playing around with their body. Like, what should we do? Should we actually, um, it was a, an Iraq bombing. Should we actually make the, the, uh, brain injury worse? And, and she was laughing and it was like this idea where it's like, uh, if you realize that it's all one thing and that it's multiple lives and that you came into this world to do something. Then you're part. You're definitely part of the plan, as to because that's what people want to do. They want. They want to sort of slough it off to not take responsibility for what's going on. So it's 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 convenient to think we're a cork floating down the and the river, and that we're being buffeted around by evil aliens and good aliens and uh, all of these outside forces. When in fact, if reincarnation is a fact, and you got to start looking at the world and saying. Why would I choose to do this? That you have a lot of control over what you're doing. And even I have a friend here in Winnipeg who had the, the sightings where he has these two very dramatic sightings. And that's all he has. And he just sort of turns his whole life around. Mm-hmm. And he goes to a psychic and he says to the psychic, okay, who, who was, where were was those crafts from? And they went, what do you mean, where are they from? You sent them. It was you. Uh, there was nobody there. You sent it to wake yourself up, and so that's when you start. When you start looking at the world that way, that you, if you take personal responsibility, and, and even if you're wrong, believe that you are in charge of manifesting whatever's happening to you. You got to say. It's it. If in a reincarnation world, it's not good and bad. It's experience, and from every experience, you're supposed to learn something. And if mm. you treat the world that way, then you make all the right decisions because you take responsibility for whatever's happening to you at this point. You don't worry about what everybody else is doing because there's nothing you can do to change anybody else. Right. All you can do is basically find out that you came into this world and you plan to do something, and you're going to leave this world and going to ask you how did it work out because <laughs> you, you, you that and before. I planned it. And so, what are you doing? What you're supposed to be doing? And and that's to me is the bottom line that people want to blame other people and they want to change other people so they're always worrying about something that they really can't change instead of trying to figure out take personal responsibility for the situation they're in absolutely and, and, and that's where i go to to shasta and it was almost like it was just almost like I, I all i wanted was i wanted to be able to record these incidents and at the end they said uh, they asked uh, enrique can you write this stuff up it's no i'm too busy i'm too busy who wants to write it up and i go i do And it was like and they said, "Okay, everybody has to hand their material to grant. And it was like it's like the the thing that I most wanted. That's what I got. And so I was on these people and I found this this really nebulous thing. It's not a clear alien coming across a veil. It's this almost like it's like a near death experience or a, a ghost experience. It's almost that same sort of thing where it's sort of there. And if you if you're really good at it, and that's the thing is the experiences weren't happening to everybody. They were happening to the people who are very sensitive, who mm-hmm. had worked at it, and they were able to to sense it. And they could be in this. You and I could be in their field with them. They can pick it up, and you and, you and I can't. So it's a matter of of your personal development as to how close you no are. No question to, about it. Yeah, no and, question. And, it's, about and I think it's all messaging. I right. definitely. The more I look at it, the more I think everything whether it's cattle mutilations whether it's the supposed abduction and now they're saying there's no abductions and that if it comes down to that Kit green said that and that was said in this wilson document that was leaked this no abduction where everybody went that's crazy come on there's abductions and then you start looking at it what if it's true that everything is in your mind that it's in your consciousness and there really is no out there out there then you start looking at well maybe it's not that way and and the example i I, i'm gonna do a lecture on the try to take on the fact there are no abductions the number one is is a a girl and this ties across to other stuff so the girl is her name is um um akiana kramark she is a double prodigy she is this girl who painted jesus at the age of eight years old this painting that's worth who knows priceless painting and she uh was abducted at five years old she disappeared uh, in front of the family, in in her house, they brought in police. They brought in uh, sniffing dogs. They brought it. They they it was for hours to try to find her, and she reappeared in front of a window, in front of witnesses.
0: Materialized I, I is what you're saying, literally. Materialized. Okay. Again, what appeared? In front of witnesses. Okay. Yeah. So the way she, she became an outport, then. she
1: says <laughs> that that Jesus or God took her. And she said she was split into a thousand pieces and that she could see how many dogs there were, all the people looking for her and stuff like that. And she she was able to a thousand minds, a thousand eyes. She was and God and Jesus took her through the universe and showed her all these faces and all these different things. And Now she's painting this stuff. She's about 20 some years old and she did two books of poetry at seven years old. And so she's this double prodigy. And she said that that God took her. So the question is, well, and and I had a girl come to me and said, no, that was she knew the family. She said that was an alien abduction. And so the question is, is Jesus abducting people? Is God abducting people? This is the most documented abduction there was. They had the police, they had police reports, they have all this sort of stuff of her being gone in the house and all these people looking for her. And it comes down to this whole idea that her experience was that she was taken sort of in, a, in an etheric state into the universe and shown all this stuff and all these messages and she's doing all these unbelievable paintings coming back. And that's the whole thing is this this different, this distinguishing between what's physical and what's not physical, it's all the same thing. And it's it's, right. it's getting slipper right. all the time as to what is physical and what's not physical.
0: There's an argument that there may not be any physical and as you're telling these stories and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I just got off of someone else's show, I was guesting on someone else's show, I was thinking of this idea in the context of what you're saying of, are we living in a simulation? Are we living in a holographic universe where these rules can be broken, where you can uh, dematerialize, so-called dematerialize and then come back again? Uh, You know, and and again, what role do we play in this? In a virtual reality, in a virtual game, you get to make the rules. You get to make a request and have it uh, uh, manifest for you immediately. Uh, so, so what are we really dealing with in terms of the true nature of reality? And I don't expect you to answer that, but I yeah, have a feeling yeah. that there's, there's something more yeah, to I it. it is- we,
1: we know from from you know from the quantum world that you know time and space uh, may not exist, and so we, but we keep falling back into this physical world thing. Is that I, I'm pretty sure that it's all going to be this. Uh, uh, one physicist said it was all Uli stuff. It's all this stuff, and and there are no there are no magical things there, there there there's nothing magic there's just people who understand more of the law absolutely than and I think so the, they can, yeah. they can come into the physical world and they can go back and they can make a ports appear and re, and go back into their world. They can do this kind of stuff. We can't. We think that there's just the physical world so it's magic to us. It's just we don't understand what they understand. The
0: rule, the rules of engagement. Well, I think of someone like Satya Sayababa, who's been gone quite a few years now that was able to to uh manifest a number of things in his his hands including some, uh, what was it called? And Michael Talbot actually used this uh, as an example in terms of apports. Um, oh, I can't think of it some some kind of a a rare nut that he was able to manifest that had a layer of gold, this very, very rare uh, quality of gold that he was able to just absolutely manifest. I mean, this is throughout recorded history. You know, and the other thing I, I, I want to bring up, we're gonna have to wind down shortly. But I wanted to bring up this whole idea of uh, manifestation that we may be uh triggering it or at least playing a, a role by, on demand it makes me think of the ce5 protocols as well as heists hu- human initiated contact uh, experiences that are done they're they're initiated they're self-initiated you yep. know i want a feather to appear and it appears show me so there's something that we are triggering and who whomever we're messaging to grant that is granting <laughs> our request yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 The more. Yeah. And and when you start looking at it and starting to understand that way, then if you come up and experience and that's what I started to do is I would say to them. So anything ever appear or anything? And and they was they they'd go. Yeah. And it's literally almost every single one of them. It was really weird and it's never been brought up. And and so you you get that and and that's when you cross over to whatever their other experiences are. You start wondering, okay, they found a piece of metal. Is that is that really came across, or is is that a physical thing, or is that um, coming across the veil? Uh, if you see an alien uh, and it turns into a ball of light, I mean, that's coming across the veil. It's not really physical. Uh, maybe the crafts aren't physical. And even this alien autopsy, this body that they have, if they can make a lapis stone with with gold and silver appear. Uh, can they make an alien body appear that was never really Absolutely. alive? Absolutely, yeah. They can do anything, and and so you start looking at the whole thing right. that it may all be this sort of um, um, game of of show and tell. In order to move us to the next step to make us realize, almost like the the, the idea of of LSD, that LSD was one of only 10,000, the the guy had done 10,000 different chemicals. It was the only one he went back and did a second time, Mm -hmm. and that's when you discover LSD, and that breaks open the materialistic thing where you, you go into that world where it all starts to fall apart in 1943. And I think that's what it is. It's this gradual uh, progression where the more we go, the more we realize it is not the physical world we think it is.
0: That's right. Jesus said, and I think I'm probably paraphrasing, I can do miracles and so can you. And yep. maybe they are said, trying to remind us and have us re- remember that this is what we are made of as well. That I agree with, Grant.
1: Yeah, that's where I always use that expression. Jesus says Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, that's you right. can say to this mountain, move. And it will move, and nothing shall be impossible. There and if know. he and either you believe he's making this stuff up or, and the, But the more I look at the world, the more that is true. It's just you need an awful lot of faith. You need an awful lot of, of understanding of how this thing works. And we just are in a world where we still believe the physical world. We don't believe this kind of stuff. And if you don't believe it, you're not going to manifest it.
0: I love what you're doing so, so much, man. You carry on. And yeah. you are going to witness many more miracles, I know. Grant Cameron, on behalf of so many people who love what you do, I want to just say thank you so, so much. You and I remember we were sitting curbside outside of the Awakening Conference in the UK and you were just the, the enthusiasm—I'm just, just in awe, just looking at you, going, yeah. "Oh my God, this man is just so—you're so passionate about what you do." I, I
1: was thinking about that today. Like, <laughs> I, I think I'm one of the luckiest people alive. I and mean, if you realize what you're yes. in, I mean, I just like—it's uh, amazing. Just—it's uh, amazing when you, when you, when you see that that uh, you're eternal. You have all this sort of stuff, and so and don't get so tied up. Enjoy it and um, try to play the game to, to move it along as much as you can. And I appreciate your interest in, in what I'm doing. And, and I'm interested you're down going down the same road I am. And I think a lot of people, 10 years ago, you and I and a bunch of people weren't going down this road. Mm. So I think we're, we're heading in the right direction.
0: I agree. We'll carry on my friend. And uh, thank you so much for coming on such short notice. And uh, we're going to have you back real soon. So thanks Grant. And thank you everyone for tuning in as always to higher journeys. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.